Would you bow with me and let's pray once more before we turn our attention to the Word of the Lord. If you would, bow with me. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for the truth that is timeless, that is contained within Your Word. Thank You for passing down Your Word over generations, Lord, preserving it, keeping it absolutely perfect. Your words breathed out onto page for us to read and to glean and to grow closer to You. Father, I pray that in no way would I obstruct, would I get in any way of Your Word going forth. This morning, Lord, would You speak in spite of Your servant, in spite of Your messenger. May Your message go forth. We ask, Father, that You would use this time, this proclamation of Your Holy Word, that You would add Your blessing to it, Lord, to encourage us, to inspire us, to challenge us, to convict us, Father, to comfort us, to heal us. Help us to be reminded of the good news that there is hope, and there is hope in You alone. Great are You, Lord, and greatly to be praised. May we worship in spirit and in truth as your word is read and proclaimed. We ask all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope that you do, I encourage you to take it and turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word this morning, feel free to borrow one from the back of the pew there in front of you. If you don't own your own copy of God's Word, feel free to keep that one in the back of the pew that's there in front of you as our gift to you. We will be happy to replenish it before next week. Feel free to access the Word of the Lord in a digital format or in print. But however you might be accessing the Word of the Lord, I would ask if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word. As we look together now in Romans chapter 10, we'll begin in verse 5 and I'll read through verse 17. When I've completed verse 17, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. I encourage you to respond by saying thanks be to God. Let's read together. Romans chapter 10, I'll read for us in verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law. That the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never 
heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But have they, they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We come to Romans chapter 10 this morning as we continue in our sermon series looking at what does a disciple look like? What should be present in our lives if we are going to claim that we are disciples, we are apprentices, we are lifelong learners following Jesus Christ? What should be taking place in our hearts, in our lives? So we have looked at a seven-part series looking at Various M's that should exist in our lives. We should all be exhibiting love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. But the practical outworkings of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives will look like being a member. It will look like being a magnifier. It will look like being maturing, to be maturing as Christians. To be a manager of all that God has entrusted to us. To be a messenger to the world. To be a multiplier who makes more disciples. These seven things should be present in every believer's life. Every one of us who says, I know and trust and believe with my head and with my heart that the Lord Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died the death that I deserve, and God raised him from the dead three days later. Knowing that, believing that, our lives should begin to look like this. These qualities should develop within us. We should all be a member of a local congregation somewhere, somehow. There is no context in Christianity anywhere in the Bible that Christians should be believers out on their own, doing their own thing. No matter where we are, we should gather in a community and support one another. It is a biblical mandate that we be members of the church and a member of a church to come alongside and live life together. Then we come together with all the rest of these things. We magnify and minister and mature and manage. We're messengers, we're multipliers individually and collectively as members. And so as a church, our goal is to magnify, make great, make big the name of Jesus Christ. That is our primary goal, to magnify the name of Jesus in our worship services, on Sundays, and on Monday through Saturday, individually and collectively. We're to be ministers. We're to serve one another within the church and serve our community. We're to be maturing. We should not stay the same. Every one of us has room to grow in our commitment to Christ. Every single one of us has room to grow up further into the gospel. It doesn't matter if you've been following the Lord for two days or 200 years. When we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. We will be growing into the gospel. We will be singing the praises. We will be maturing and we will be present with God for all eternity. It takes our whole lives to get to that point of being glorified. And so we should grow as Christians. 
We should grow up in the gospel. We should be managers. Last week we had our report from Dean Now, but the week before that we talked about the four things that we should manage well as Christians, right? Our time, our treasure, our temple, our talent. Our time, our treasure, our temple, our talent. God entrusts much to us. And I would say today, now, in this point in history, more so than any other point in all of human history, we have more opportunity, more privilege than anyone else in all of human history. The fact that we are so comfortable in this room right now is evidence of how much we are blessed how many privileges we enjoy that they never got to enjoy in the Middle Ages. They never got to enjoy in Jesus' day. We have air conditioning. We have indoor plumbing. We have automobiles. We have the Bible like never before. We don't have to worry about not being able to speak the language that the priests are conducting the service in. We have the Bible in multiple translations in our own language. Maybe you don't like the phrasing. You can pick another translation that phrases it a different way to communicate the same thought. We can Google any verse. Do you know there was a time when people had to think, what verse is that where Jesus says such and such? And today you can just say into Google, I think Jesus said X, Y, Z. And Google will tell you where it is in the Bible. That has never existed before in all of human history, which is amazing. But at the same time, God entrusts us with that opportunity, with that responsibility. To much who is given, much is expected. And I just wonder, I've asked myself this for weeks, leading up to this sermon, through this sermon, and even now. If all that was left of the Bible was what you and I had memorized, How much of our Bible would we have left? Do you know that for years the Bible was passed down orally? People memorized it. And somebody had a written copy, and there was one written copy in the community, maybe. But if you wanted to know Galatians, maybe you go talk to old Sam over there who's got Galatians memorized start to finish. These people had a commitment to God's Word. They managed their time in a different way. They treasured Scripture in a different way because it was so rare. And yet today, we're so flippant with it. I've got it. I've got another Bible in my office if I need it. I've got it on my iPad if I need it. I've got it on my phone if I need it. But that phrase is always there, if I need it. What if all that was left of the Bible was what you and I had memorized? The verses that we'd committed to our heart. How have we managed our time in that respect? How have we managed what our treasure is in that respect? God expects for those who are going to be His disciples to become good managers. And then we move to what we're looking at today. Today, we talk about being messengers. Disciples of Christ talk about Jesus. We are missionaries to the world. Disciples of Christ Talk about Jesus Christ. That's what's going on here in Romans chapter 10. We're catching up with Paul in the midst of Romans chapter 10, right? And he's talking about the message going out to all the Israelites. He's talking about the message of the gospel that is for them. And so when we pick up in verse 5, Moses writes about righteousness that is based on the law. That person who does the commandments shall live by them. 
This is what was believed in the Old Testament. This is what the Jews would have been following then. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven. What he means by that is looking for who's going to go bring the Messiah down. But Jesus has already come. There's no need to go say who's going to come down from heaven. Jesus has already come down from heaven. If you're looking for the Christ, he's already come. Or who will descend into the abyss to bring Christ up? Well, Christ already came down. He already went into the abyss. He was already raised from the dead. So Paul is trying to clarify that the old has passed away. The new has come. Here is the message that there is hope, that there is love, that there is restoration and resurrection in Jesus. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the joy that we get to have today. This is the privilege that we get to understand today in plain Simple language that Jesus has already come, that he already lived the life we couldn't live, that he already died the death that we should have died, and that he was raised from the dead. And you might think, well, I just, I don't know that, that, I don't know that I'm ready to be the one to share that message. But Paul even addresses that before he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he says in verse eight, the word is near you. That's addressed to you and me. The word is near me. The word is near you. Folks, if ever there was a time the word is near us, it's right here. I've got the whole counsel of God in my hands in a language I can easily understand. The word is here. The word is near me. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. This harkens back to Jeremiah. He says, I'll write a new covenant and they won't need the law because the law will be written on their hearts. And they will proclaim the goodness of God. Folks, the Word is here. The Word is near us. And how often are we guilty of being more excited about who won the game the other day than the fact that our souls should be condemned to eternity in hell, but God rescued us. God sent His one and only Son to snatch us away from that fate and to give us the hope of a life that we can't even begin to imagine. A heaven that is real, that is tangible, that is forever, that is with Jesus. And you and I, we have this tendency to get more excited about the most recent show we watched and tell somebody about that show than we do about the goodness of the gospel. Man, is, is it not just human nature though, right? You watch a good show, you, you see something that, hey, this is good, clean content. I, I've just watched something, and, and let me tell you, there's no cussing in it, and, and, and there's no nudity, and there's no intimate scenes, and there's nothing bad, and it's entertaining. So you text and call all your buddies and all your friends and all your family. You guys got to check this out. It's so funny. It's so good, and it's so clean. You're going to love it. It's so entertaining. And how many people do we run around telling about that show? Hey, what, what you been watching lately? How often does that just begin our conversations or when conversation dies down? What you been reading? What you been watching? What did you go to the movies and see that new Avatar thing? It was like three and something hours long. No, I didn't make it by there. We'll have that conversation in a heartbeat. That word is near our hearts. That word is close at hand. Hey, I just repaired such and such at my house. You're proud of the work that you did. I just did such and such yard work at my house. My yard looks amazing. 
These are messages that we have near at our heart, near at our mouth, and we speak regularly. But where's the message that we should be dead? And I'm only alive because of Jesus. You you don't understand. I shouldn't exist. But God chose to make me. God chose to redeem me instead of killing me. It cost Him more. It was harder. It was a more challenging way around. But that's what He chose to do for my sake and for yours. But to get one of us to share that message is pulling teeth, right? I I don't understand why we are so hesitant when we have the best news on the planet to share the message. Do you know that God doesn't need you? Do you know that God doesn't need me? He doesn't require, as in need us, to advance His message. The fact that we get to be messengers is a privilege. We've forgotten that. The squirrels will never talk about the grace of Jesus Christ. The angels never get to talk about what it means to be lost in utter sin and redeemed by the grace of God. They didn't experience it. We do. We get the privilege of doing something that not even the angels can accurately describe and explain because they've never personally experienced it. Nothing else in all creation has the privilege to be messengers like us. But God could use anything. You remember when he was on his way in and they said, tell these people to stop praising you. And he said, if they were to shut their mouths, the very rocks would cry out. If you don't think that God could use a rock to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ easier than he could use me or you, then we're out of our minds because he could. But he chose you. He chose me to be his messenger, to experience the incredible revolutionary grace that He pours out on us, and then to take it to everybody that will listen and everybody that won't. And then you and I, we get more excited about the latest gadget that comes out, the newest truck that comes out, the latest thing that is on everybody's lips. We'll talk about the Chinese spy balloon like that. But how quick will we talk about the Lord who can spy on our heart and knows our every thought and knows our every word? How quick are we to talk about how sinful we really are and how saved we really must be? We're messengers. That's the whole point. And he even compliments the messengers. He's saying as he moves away from the Jews, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. He says, how beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry good news. Y'all, I don't want to always beat a dead horse, but just remember, feet are not beautiful. Okay, especially not at that time. How beautiful are the feet of those who carry good news? He's taking the ugliest part of someone who has traveled miles and miles through dusty, dirty, grimy roads and says that those feet are beautiful because of the news that is being carried. How beautiful are our feet? Can can you be convicted of having beautiful feet? No, I can't. Not near enough. And it's for everyone. Everyone who calls on Him. Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. And then I just love this line of questioning that he gets to in verse 14. But how can they call on them if they haven't believed? And how are they to believe in Him who they've never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Faith comes from hearing. Hearing through the Word of Christ. You're a messenger. I'm a messenger. How then will they hear if no one goes to tell them that there is very good news? How then will they know if no one is available to tell them that salvation is available for them? I always love the story of the Battle of Marathon. It's an ancient battle. A lot of people remember this ancient Greek battle called Thermopylae, right? The 300 Spartans holding the pass through the mountains and all of the Persian army just falls against this wall of 300 Spartans. But there's another really incredible battle in Greece. And it's the Battle of Marathon. And once the Battle of Marathon is over, this incredible battle that should not have been won by the Greeks, there's great news to be shared. And so they send a runner with a messenger from Marathon back to report that there is great news. And when the runner runs with everything he has, the entire distance, right, falls over dead when he arrives after he shares the message. He spent all of his life the rest of his energy running to proclaim the message as quickly as possible, as soon as possible, that things in Marathon went wonderful, that the Greeks are victorious, that there is victory now. You can rest assured that the Greeks have triumphed at Marathon. This is good news. I'm giving everything I have to get it there quickly. And guess what? He falls over dead as soon as he finishes. His heart bursts. You know the Marathon races that we run now? They're named for that story. That's why they call them marathons. They're named for that event. It was a single battle, a single victory. Somebody was willing to give their life to run as fast as they could, as hard as they could, foregoing all the nourishment that they needed and the hydration that they needed to get the message there as quick as possible, to fall over dead just so they can deliver the message that there is victory. Folks, would anybody describe you or me as that kind of messenger? Is that the way that you and I carry the message of the gospel? Are you running as fast as you can, as hard as you can? Are we saying, I don't care that my legs are tired. I don't care that my lungs are aching with every breath. I have good news to share and I've got to get there to share it. Or are you and I the kind of Christians that say, oh, my feet are kind of tired. I'm, I'm kind of sore. My legs are kind of wobbly. My knees are getting weak. I really need to get something to drink. Are we marathon runners? Or are we the kind of people who Jesus saved us? And the days and weeks and months that follow our salvation experience, whoo, buddy, we are running down that road. We got a message to deliver. We're excited about it. But we turn out to just be sprinters because after maybe a year, maybe we don't even make it a year, we kind of settle in to the gospel, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm saved. I mean, it's good. It's nice. And then we run out of steam. And then it turns into like a tortoise and hare kind of a race. We think we've got it all figured out, so we just stop on the side of the road. We take a little nap, and we just forget that we have a message to carry out altogether. I wonder, when we live our lives, are we looking for opportunities to share this message? 
And I'm not even saying that you've got to sit somebody down and walk them through how broken we are, how helpless and hopeless we were, and the hope of the gospel. Jesus came and walked them through the Romans road in every verse. I'm even asking to the level, how often are you willing to pray with somebody out of the ordinary circumstances? How often are you and I willing to say, hey, I'd love for you to come to church with me and we can hear more about Jesus together. How often are you and I willing to say, hey, I know this great Bible study. Would you come with me to this Bible study? Maybe you don't have the confidence to share the message in entirety, but maybe you can be the person that takes them to the person that shares the message. But how many of us ever even have that conversation? How many of us are looking for and initiating that conversation? Or are we too wrapped up in the book we just read, the show we just watched, the project we just finished, the great thing we just accomplished at work? Why isn't Jesus even in our small talk? If we're disciples of Jesus Christ, we should be messengers. And, and I just wonder this morning, what kind of messenger are you? But before we close, I want to remind us that you can't be a messenger if you've never believed. And you can't believe if you've never heard. And you can't hear unless somebody tells you. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And the word of Christ is this. We are wretched sinners. And God should have killed us after the very first sin. But instead, he decided to keep us. He should have wiped us out of existence. But in his grace and in his mercy, he decided to give us another chance. Sinful as we are, rejected as we should be, instead of being rejected, we have the opportunity to be redeemed. Because God sent forth His Son to fulfill every law and every commandment, to measure up to every standard of perfection. He was tempted and tried and experienced every human experience and emotion, and yet He was sinless and perfect something we could never do he's the only person in human history that did not deserve death and so he was the only person in human history that could take our death for us and i want you to hear this morning that jesus christ lived that perfect life he was born of a virgin he died on a cross tortured for hours for your sake and for mine he died for you even if you were the only sinner on the face of this planet, if you were the only sinner who would ever exist, He still would have done it for you. He loves you that much. And so this morning, hear that there is hope, but there is hope only in Jesus, only in the blood that He shed, the death that He died, the life that was resurrected within Him, risen from the grave that he might be triumphant over death, and that all who would call on his name and believe in their hearts could experience a life that is full and abundant, that could experience life in its truest form, that could live forever with Jesus in heaven, in glory. If you've never believed that, here today, that's the message we're talking about. That's the message to believe. Not just to hear in your ear, but to know in your head, believe in your heart, and let it change everything about your life. Would you trust in Jesus today? Would you believe in Him?
and in Him alone for life and salvation. This morning, if you've already trusted in Jesus, what kind of messenger are you? How are you spreading this message of hope and good news? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that there is hope in you. There should not be, but there is. Thank you for dying our death. Thank you for rising again. Thank you, Lord, for loving us enough that there is good news. Lord, forgive us where we are failed messengers. Lord, so often we put it off for another day or we get too comfortable and we forget that this is our privilege. This is our opportunity. We get to be your messengers. Lord, help us to live up to the responsibility you've given us, that you've empowered us. Your Spirit is with us. You've given us the words. Now, cause us, Lord, to take that step of faith, to share the message of hope, that we would be found faithful, to be messengers willing to run and give up our very lives to share the good news that there is victory, and there is victory in you alone, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that if anybody's never trusted in you, that today might be the day that they begin to follow you in truth. Lord, we ask that you would take this time of invitation, take this time of response, and use it for your glory, for your purposes. We ask all this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.